everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Caps podcast. We're coming rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar. And today, welcome to this week's weekly recap, where we have a new face to talk about, a lot of pain to sift through, and then a new season starting up, and of course, the wacky segment of the week. But this is kind of going to be a little bit of a faster episode since we don't want it to be like, you know, an hour and 40 minutes long. And uh, as you can tell by my voice, I probably would not last if this episode was an hour and 40 minutes long. Like Connor would have to drive a half hour and put me in the grave himself. So let's try to avoid that and start by talking about the new football receivers coach. That is Matthew Middleton. He's a former USD Coyote guy. Would have been the receivers coach at USF, but he the most recent actual position would have been at Kansas State, where he coached a six total all-conference players and helped lead Kent State to their most prolific passing offense they've had, including a guy who will be drafted, just transferred to Penn State, Dante Cephas, KCK guy, really loved by USD. Every single, like you look on Twitter, there's nothing negative about the guy which that's awesome because normally there's there's at least one guy who's you know going to be like, oh, he sucks, I hated him. But no, Matthew Middleton, a big KCK guy, born here, played at Iowa, not Iowa, Ottawa, was a GA at KU for a year. So, you know, he's from, from the outside looking in, it looks like a really good hire. Yeah, yeah, I uh, am pleasantly surprised with, of the quality of the hire. Um, and it's really been growing on me over the last few days because it was kind of one that kind of just happened uh, because there were rumors about guys going around and then Matthew Middleton uh, just kind of shows up and has the job. And uh, But his resume is pretty good. Um, he's from the area. Um, being from Kansas City should help with uh, recruiting that area because that's kind of been an area that we've really kind of recently started to get some more traction in but mainly on the kansas side and i i think we'd really like to get more traction on the missouri side as well so potentially he can help with that being from the area even though he is from the kansas side um but six all conference guys and uh them dante cephas transferring to penn state i mean i think that speaks for itself and the amount of talent that he's able to recruit identify and develop uh so I, i really like that uh i think he and should end up being a really good coach. Uh, and he's also, he's well-traveled, but he wasn't job hopping, I guess. Yeah. Cause he spent a couple of years at Ottawa. was a GA KU and then spent a considerable amount of time at South Dakota and then Kent state, uh, I think five years for, for each of them. Uh, and then would have been in South Florida, uh, with the new head coach there, whose name is evading me, but he was on Josh Heupel's staff at he was Florida. The OC with Josh Heupel at uh, Tennessee. Yeah, so pretty pretty good offensive pedigree there. Uh, so I, I I'm all around pretty happy about this hire. I'm looking forward to it. I'm interested to see how he uh, fills the void left by Thad Ward, who definitely made a significant impact on the recruiting trail for K State. Um, brought in probably our best recruiting class uh, a receiver in a really, really long time, oh, yeah. maybe ever. And probably ever. Uh, like what, what class really competes? Off the top of my head, I don't know. I'm just qualifying the statement because I might be forgetting one. So I, I, 
like we'd have to go back to probably like the like Lamarck Brown ish classes just because he was individually really good. But in terms of top to bottom quality, I don't know if any compares. But yeah, I, I really like the Middleton hire. Uh and I'm interested to see uh what what's expect uh this upcoming season from the um uh receiver room because uh, we got a lot of new faces losing some staples, uh especially of course Malik Knowles. You know, he he was the face of that room for gosh, I the last four seasons. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm interested to see where we go from here. Yeah. yeah. Ever since I've been in college, Malik was the, the guy. And I think probably the, obviously we're not in the coaches meetings. We're not watching every practice. God, I wish, but it would like the, the biggest, I think one-to-one that you can draw between Thad Ward and Matthew Middleton is that they've each coached one like big, big time receiver. And that is, um, oh, Corey Davis from Western Michigan for Thad Ward. Now Dante Cephas for Matthew Middleton. And both had a background of, you know, building up passing offenses by working with the receivers. I will say that although League did develop a little bit, upon reflection, I was kind of not disappointed, but whelmed with the development of all of our other receivers, which... Granted, that very well might have been because we only saw two of them. But, you know, there's there are comparisons to be made there. Fair enough, yeah. But I, I'm pretty happy with this hire overall. Uh, I'm mainly looking forward to seeing the recruiting impact that that comes from. Uh... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'll, I don't know why I'm saying sorry. I'll definitely edit that out. But, like... I, I started the cough and that, okay, well, since I edited it out, it doesn't matter. You're just going to hear the aftermath, I guess. It's like observing a black hole. You get to see it through the events around it. But <laughs> yeah, like, like you said, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a recruiting judging thing, especially because he's a KCK area guy. So hopefully we stop losing KC receivers to Nate Shale Heiss at Iowa state. Yeah. That and, uh, Kelton Copeland, uh, Iowa, and then I don't know who Mizzou's uh, receivers coach is, so drink, I guess. But uh, it, It's mostly drink drink handles to recruiting because he's a snake oil salesman. That's true. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> that, that checks out. But uh, So, yeah, hopefully we can start kind of handling that a little bit more. We saw some trends in the right direction with getting Andre Davis, uh, then uh, winning the Keegan Johnson transfer recruitment. So there's some, so there's some positives to look at there. So we'll uh, we'll see we'll we'll see how that develops going forward. There's some good Missouri side uh, options right now. Uh, the Kansas class is still kind of like flushing out, I think. Yeah. For uh, the 2024 um, year, and by that, I think we're probably not going to see a ton of development there until maybe a little later. But then again, we we are coming off probably the best Kansas class ever, yeah. at least in my memory. So, so it needs whatever, to like regen talent yeah, a little bit. Yeah, whatever happens this year is probably going to be a step down from last year because I think we probably ended up having like twenty guys go D one um, out of this last class. Yeah, I, like there was pretty there was significant D one talent uh, scholarship wise. Obviously, that number increases exponentially when you factor in walk ons. Yeah, but anyway, that there's a lot of reasons to be excited for the new receivers coach. So welcome, Mr. Middleton. Now, 
And now we can talk about men's basketball. First off, the Texas Tech loss, 63 to 71. It hurt a lot, actually. Like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. This this game really sucked. Um, I was having dinner with my girlfriend for a uh, an early Valentine's Day, so I only got to really watch the first half. And I was just kind of like glancing at the score for the second half. And I caught I was able to catch some moments, though, because we had to wait. Um, but the I I was just shocked by what we were seeing. I mean, just an absolutely atrocious effort for the most part. And it, it just seemed like we were letting them answer way too much. And this is a Texas Tech team that is admittedly talented. And I think that it's been stated before, and I'll state it again, in any other conference, this Texas Tech team is probably on the bubble right now but instead they're like in a position to look at kind of being on the bubble but i mean tech with the record probably isn't going to get enough of a look no um but they probably are a tournament team in terms of true talent but regardless of their true talent losing to them on the road really really sucks uh there's there's just no getting around that there's a lot to be upset about uh, Marquis Snow had seven turnovers. Uh, again, he just cannot keep the turnovers down. Keontae had five. Uh, Desi had four. We had 23 turnovers overall in this game. 11 assists, by the way. Yeah, to, yeah just 11 assists. It's pretty atrocious. Um, Just all around a really, really bad performance. Weren't really converting from three, 23%. It's one of our worst three-point shooting performances of the year. 35%. We just couldn't hit at the rim, couldn't hit from range. Marquise Noel alone was one of 10 from three, which is really bad. And uh, a far cry from the peaks that we've seen from Marquise, where he's just been hitting anything and everything on the floor. Yeah. Um. Just, man, this game sucked in <laughs> every measurable way. Uh, even the little things. I mean, we lose by eight, and uh, the margins made up if we make all of our free throws. Like Dusty Sills went one of four. Um, Keontae Johnson had his gamely miss because he seems to be really inconsistent at the line. Yeah. Um, Keontae was held under ten points for the first time in a really long time. It feels like he had nine. Um, yeah, this was this was such a forgettable game uh, for all the wrong reasons. I don't know if there's a good reasons for there be a game to be forgettable other than maybe just like Blow a out. win Blow against out like a favor. team. Yeah. But yeah, this, this game just wasn't, I don't have a lot to say about it at this point. Cause it's been almost a week since this game happened. And it still hurts. Yeah. It, granted a lot of that's from the next game, but this, yeah, this sucks. Going on the road, losing to Tech. That's a team that we had beaten already this year as well. And it wasn't like they uh, had a fully healthy uh, Fardaz Amac because and they didn't uh, have Pops Isaac either. Yeah, they didn't have Pop Isaacs either. I mean, granted, they have better players than both of those guys that both played, and they're both really talented. Davion Harmon's really, really good. Kevin O'Banner's really good. Uh, Jalen Tyson's good. Kerwin Walton had a bad game, but isn't bad. Um, just 
man, not a game that you should ever accept losing. And here we were losing. David Gasson played 17 minutes, didn't even attempt a shot in this game, had four fouls. Granted, according to Coach Tang, he has been battling an illness uh, over the last week or so. So and hopefully he's starting to get better because we need him. But man, I don't know. What do you have to say? I've been rambling for a while. What do you have to say? It sucked. It hurt. And I think a lot of it just comes down to the fact that there was so much, there's so many aspects of this game that while it was being played, that just, just straight up weren't accessible. Like they aren't acceptable. Going one of 10 from three is not acceptable. Going five of 19 from the field is not acceptable. Turning the ball over seven times, not acceptable. Turning the ball over five times is not acceptable. Like it, and a lot of times it kind of felt just like we were coasting. And I think that's a theme that kind of goes into the next game. So we'll use that as a transition to the loss up against Oklahoma, 79 to 65. And I know Oklahoma doesn't have the worst record in Big 12 play. I truly think Oklahoma is probably the worst team in the Big 12. I'm not sure I get much pushback from that. But this was a game that genuinely I think was an effort loss because it didn't look like anyone on that team cared to be there. And that's what makes it hurt the most. It's not like it's not like we played our hearts out, you know, and it was just a tough loss. You know, that like that happens. That sucks. But whenever you go to whenever you go somewhere and it looks like exactly one person, Abayami Ijiola, is actually trying, it's so frustrating. Cause like we it has been a long time since we've seen honestly, you could say what, the Florida game? Since we've seen a complete no nap time game from this team. And that's something that we talked about before, is this team is very susceptible to nap time. And yeah. this entire game was not a nap time. It was a coma and we didn't wake up and it's so frustrating and it's not acceptable. It's not. Yeah. yeah. You can make a semi fair argument that we were trying in the first half. Um, Cause we did go into the break tide and we actually did have a good first half. Uh, offensively, that's where Bebe got, did most of his damage, and it looked like he was really trying. Keontae gave him a really nice dish for an assist at one point, and we shot 48% from the field in the first half. Uh, all in all, not bad, but getting outscored 43-29 to 29, uh, in the second half uh, by unequivocally, I think, the least talented team in the entire Big 12, and it's not particularly close. Um, then that 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 isn't acceptable. Um, I, I, I mean, you said that best is not acceptable. I'm really, really disappointed with the effort. There's been a lot of discourse about this game. I'm very happy this game is happening, or that this this recap of the game uh, is happening two days after the game instead of one day after. Oh, you would uh, because, have been melting down. Yeah, but it's we've had enough time to kind of settle and also see the discourse set a little bit. Um, and I think at the end of the day, I, I don't really know if there's an invalid point that has been made about this game when you combine them, because a lot of people are understandably not happy at all uh, with the performance of the last, I, I don't even want to say two games. I want to say of the last month, because I think the Florida game masked a lot of, the inconsistency of this team because taking out the Florida game, we've been really 
Like, like you think of that non-conference victory. Conference play has not been good since we beat KU. I mean, we got TCU at home, but I mean, again, that's a weekend TCU and it took a late run to make it a big time win. Um, When you combine like the viewpoints, it seems, it seems like there's two viewpoints of uh, what happened was not acceptable and we need to support the team. Those aren't mutually exclusive viewpoints. Like those aren't viewpoints that can't coexist. And if you can be really disappointed in the effort and execution, uh, that we had because we've been told to expect to win. And it when that became the standard, it went from, oh, you know, whatever happens after this KU game is gravy to we need to win and win now. Like, like the standard did change for the season because our initial, you and I, we both were predicting this team to be like a bubble team. I think yeah. maybe and like make it into the tournament probably. Yeah. We, like, or we, I was we projected like last four in. Yeah. I, I know I was bubble pre Keontae Johnson pickup and post Keontae Johnson pickup, it was kind of contentions on how good he was. Um, but I, I felt like it was a tournament team, but not like a big 12 contender. This team made itself into a big 12 contender and we were told to expect to win after we got on that hot streak and we were ranked number five in the country. Um, uh, but man, now this, this team is not playing like a team that deserves to be a top, 15 squad or a team that really deserves anybody's attention. And that that's really, that's unfortunate to say, but it's also the objective truth. And with all that being said, you know, all this disappointment and desire that like we want this team to like be playing better. We're so upset and frustrated during the games and we're incredibly disappointed in how the season's going right now, at least this the most recent part of the season doesn't mean that we don't support the team and we don't want the team to win. And I think that gets lost and discourse online a lot granted part of that is just communicating on social media you're just gonna lose a lot of the context no, around no, people's no, thoughts no, no, no you're just going to lose that like you could have stopped right there you were that going is to true lose. that wasn't what i meant to say but it is also true on its own but um but yeah this uh, the people that are upset uh, about how this team is going. I think that's valid because the coaching staff told us to raise our expectations and now we have. But that doesn't mean that these people that are upset don't care about how the team is performing and are being bad fans uh, for that. I I'm actually would contend that it's being a really good fan uh, to have expectations uh, beyond just, oh, well, we tried our best, which it's not to say that effort isn't important. We've learned that effort is incredibly important based off of the last couple of games we Uh, we know we learned yeah which i do think some of that might be this team is really tired and really burnt out from the constant slog of playing a good team every single night i get that but that is life in the big 12 and you got to find a way to surpass that and work through it because there is not an alternative i mean you got to find you got to find something in you and i hate saying stuff like that because it's not like we're D1 athletes, but it's like that, that's dangerously close to figure it out territory. But like yeah. whenever you because the stretch since KU was a one, two, two wins out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We are two and six in an eight game stretch since beating KU. No, no. Yeah. No, you can't do that. Like you can't, you can't do that. Mm-mm. 
and one of those was the collapse against Texas. Like if yeah. you, I feel like if you could pick a point in the season other than post KU game where you could kind of see the, not necessarily the wheels falling off. Cause I don't think the wheels have fallen off. I think we need to change the oil, so to speak. But like, I, I don't think that this season is lost. We're still a tournament team. And part of being this frustrated with it is the fact that we care. Now we have a good reason to care. And there was to quote the, the very frustrated guy in front of me at the Texas game, you know, whenever you, you get support, you, you have to earn it. And when you earn that support, you have to earn the right to keep it. So like, I, we're obviously going to keep supporting the team, but that doesn't mean that they're immune from criticism. To to quote my favorite video on the internet, what I am going to say is not out of hatred. I'm going to be mean and brutally, honestly mean in the only way that someone in ways with someone only love in their heart can be, because I know it can take it. And like, I, I I love this team. It's probably my second favorite team. I like all them and women's basketball trade back and forth. That doesn't mean that I'm not disappointed. I am. I think the effort up against in like in these last few games has not been acceptable. I think that we have too many people trying to be the guy instead of trying to be the team. And, you know, it Tang mentioned before that if he needs to be, if he needs to be, I think he said Jaguar. I think he says what it was. Like if he needs to be that coach that like, you you have a 50-50 shot of getting screamed at or slapped, he can. And I think at that I think at this point he kind of needs to be, especially going into this next game stretch. Up against Iowa State at home, Farmageddon. Up against Baylor, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State, I should say. At home, Oklahoma, and then at West Virginia. So uh, let's cut it off uh, at Oklahoma State. Honestly. Gun to your head right now, what do you project that record to be in that three games? Man, um, I think we can get one of those games as things stand today before the Iowa State game. But that's iffy. I mean, Iowa State is a good team. They did just lose uh, to, I'm forgetting who, Oklahoma State, I think. Oklahoma State. Yeah, so they're vulnerable. But... So are we? That, that doesn't, they're not. They're not a bad team. We're all. Yeah, we're also vulnerable. Granted, we do play a lot better at home uh, than away. I think we can fully determine that at this point in the season that we are just significantly better team at home in every measurable way than on the road. Uh, Baylor um, is the best team in the conference as things stand right now. Yeah, uh, the season ended today. They wouldn't win the conference just because of record, but I do think that they're the best team in the conference right now. Um, and then Oklahoma State, that is a team that everybody seems to be forgetting about. That is really, really good. <laughs> that Oklahoma State team terrifies me, as things stand. Uh, their their defense is elite, so I I can't pencil us in to win in Stillwater, and I can't really pencil us in to beat Baylor either. I think our best shot at winning one of those three games as things stand right now, is against Iowa State. Now, if we beat Iowa State by like 40 points, then all of a sudden the expectations change, and I think we beat Baylor, and then also still lose to Oklahoma State because it's on the road. But I 
I, I'm not really sure, man. I, I've, uh, there's been a lot of ebbing and flowing this year. We started out the year kind of slow, even albeit athletic. Um, but the offense was kind of all over the place and start out conference play with like maybe one of the hottest streaks that we've ever seen. I like for a team, but that I think we knew at the time it wasn't sustainable to keep shooting the lights out every single night. Nope. And, and lo and behold. Yeah. And this team is going to have to find a way to really band together. And I almost said it. I almost said it. I almost said, figure it out. You almost <laughs> said, figure it out. Like, And that's the worst part is that like, that's it, what else do you say? I don't know, uh, but I'm, Wholly disappointed so with the last uh, month, almost, of uh, this team. Yeah. Since the home Texas Tech game, uh, we've not been, we've only won two games since then. And we beat Florida and then we beat TCU at home. But since that home Texas Tech game on January 21st, lost Iowa State, lost to KU, lost to Texas, and then dropped two in a row to Tech and OU. That's not a good stretch. And I, I had to be honest about it. I, I, I hate talking natively about this team because I love this team and I support them and I want them to win every single game. And it hurts me to my core when this team loses because I want them to win so badly. But got to be honest about what how they're performing. And it's just, it's not good enough right now. We're, we're we not at least gonna, know that they have lie. it. <laughs> We know that they have it in them, which I think maybe makes it more frustrating is we know that they can win these type of games, but they just haven't been able to put it together. Yeah. Uh, To answer the question, uh, the record, I think one and two, I I don't think, I think we could be Iowa state. I think they're kind of on a backslide right now. Um, I don't see us beating Baylor. I think they're the hottest team in the conference right now. And if we somehow beat Baylor, we may, just gank their momentum, which I would accept, but and I don't feel comfortable projecting any away victories for any Big 12 team. So that is the men's basketball squad. Now we can talk about the women. First game we'll kind of gloss over because it wasn't very interesting. It was a 85-268 loss up against the Oklahoma Sooners in Bramlage. So the the first Gabby Gregory revenge game, and uh, she got hers. She got twenty four, but you know this was 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 a game that one of the rare mini games where it was our defense that let us down. Because like I feel like that's one thing that you can pretty consistently, you know, it, at least every fourth game, we we choke away every fourth game. But you know, consistently we've had a decent defense. But you know, Gabby Gregory had twelve. Serena Sandel had twelve. The Glenn twins each had 12. That's a, wow. So mm. Serena, Briley, and Jalen all had 12 points and four steals. And also four rebounds. Also four rebounds. Were they all the same person? Sources say perhaps. Maybe. Who knows? Anyway. but <laughs> it. This was one of those that we kind of, didn't project us winning because because Oklahoma was kind of that good. So like I, I mean Gabby Gregory scored twenty four, so she's doing her part. I, I don't feel like there have been many games where Gabby Gregory hasn't been doing her part. 
you know, she went the distance. She's clearly been hurt for like a month and a half, maybe two months, but you know, she did her part. Everyone else is on the team, you know, contributing. Yeah. There's just not much to say. It's pretty obvious that if Ayoka Lee was healthy, this team would be doing remarkable things. Oh, I yeah. Think. Like, if there was just, I mean, throw Gabby Gregory and Ayoka Lee on the floor at the same time where you have two le- legitimate. That shouldn't happen. We had two legitimate scoring threats at all times. That really opens up everything else for uh, the other players. And that would be awesome. But of course, they will be coming back next year, but don't have her this year. Gabby Gregory also coming back uh, next year using her COVID year. Um, but when she announced that. She announced that like a while ago. Oh. Man, next year is going to be nasty. Giselle, I think, is coming back as well. Yes. I mean, uh, the only person who wouldn't come back because she can't would be Shalatsi. I think so, yeah. Uh, Ebert might be out of eligibility. I'm not sure. But point is, uh, next year's team should be good. We said that, we said that last year, too, but that was before Oakley got injured. We had a so, reason. We had a good reason. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that, that that's a fair uh, statement retraction. But, um, yeah. Not a lot to note about this game. Um, did not play very well, and that's really about it. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's all one can really say. But now we can talk about the game that you and I kind of didn't give us a chance in. And then we won by nineteen. I I I'm happy to look like an idiot in this case. Honestly, that is the eighty-seven to sixty-eight Wildcat victory. Uh, up against the Baylor Bears in Bramlage. And well, this was, like, you want to talk about good performances. Again, Gabby Gregory, double-double, 10 rebounds, 26 points. You know, Serena Sundell, 20 points, 5 steals, 6 assists. Riley Glenn, 14 points. Jalen Glenn adding 4 steals to, I don't understand how she's so good at getting steals. She just, like, I. there's nothing watching it that, like, makes it stand out just like they lose they suddenly just lose maybe they they get minus 50 ball handling whenever Jalen Glenn is within like two feet maybe that's her like x-factor ability I think at least some of it has to be that she has like really unusually long arms and uh some of it probably just instincts I guess but it's not really something that you can like quantify I guess but she is remarkably good at getting steals yeah then you know, Sarah Shamatsi had three. The, and then the person you and I have been most excited about is Eliza Moppin, who flashed big time this game. You know, you look at her stat line, it's like, oh, three of six, you know, three, four for the free throw line, six rebounds, four fouls, nine points. You know, that that's fine. Watching this game, you could tell, like, you never could lose sight of where Eliza Moppin was. You can't. Because she was obviously like the most athletic person on the floor and we were going against Baylor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's why it matters. Cause Baylor is just such a great program. They're having a down year for their standards, but they're still not having a bad year. And yeah, they're still uh, probably a tournament team. Yeah. But I'm mopping. I'd really like to see her get more games like this where she's getting like 20 minutes because uh, I mean, at this point, we pretty much would have to win out and pick up multiple games in Kansas city to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. 
because the absolute best that um, our record can be uh, when it's all said and done is I think we can hit uh, uh, 20 wins. So we may actually stand a chance, but it may be a better chance of getting uh, to the tournament, but we're not going to win our, like we're not going to beat Texas. I don't think. No. Uh, and I don't think we beat OU on the road. So I think we can count probably on beating TCU and uh, Fort Worth. KU at home is a toss up and we have a shot against West Virginia on the road. If you want to be optimistic with that, uh, we'll probably be like 18 and 13. I think you win two games in KC and you have an argument to be uh, in the NCAA tournament and sneak in as like an 11 or 12 seed or like a play in team. Yeah. But this is probably more likely an IT team at this point in time. Which, granted, uh, I think this is a team that could make noise in the NIT, but I don't think that should be the goal. Yeah, I like like, like we could make noise in the NIT, but or I, I I'd rather we be in the NCAA tournament than that. and they get smoked. Yeah, like, like like that that is by and large a better result because uh, it means that you win more games. But um, regardless, they had a fantastic performance. I mean. Granted, some of this, I think, is anomalous. Uh, we shot 50% or higher in every quarter of the last one, uh, 60% for the game. We shot 81% in the third quarter from the field. Our only two misses were uh, three-pointers, and we were perfect at the line. Like That third quarter is like one of the best shooting quarters I've ever seen in my life. One of three from three, but nine of 11 from the field, six of six at the free throw line. Like That's nuts. 60%. From the field for the day, forty-five percent from three. This is a team that has generally been not great at the three-point line, especially for a volume three-point shooting team. Yeah, like like we went nine and twenty from three, and uh, then twenty to twenty-three at the free throw line. Like this is this is, I think, in Jeff Mitty's mind, like a, a borderline perfect game. Other than we definitely had way too many turnovers. We had nineteen, uh, but I don't know. This game at the end of the day. I, I think we should be very, very happy with this result because oh, yeah. one thing that really stands out on the stat line is that we had 48 shots. Baylor had 62. <laughs> they had a uh, 14 more shot attempts than we did, but fewer makes. That is really, really, really unusual. A lot of that has to do with the fact that we shot really well from three and we made 20 free throws to their six and we were forcing ourselves to the line on it. We just drove right at the basket and we're getting Serena Sundell and Gabby Gregory to the line. And while we can definitely make an argue about an argument about that being gimmicky or not, at the end of the day, what that does display is good coaching from Jeff Mitty, who admittedly has been spotty at times. Some games, it feels like he does great. Other times, it feels like we don't adjust very much. But this was a borderline masterclass from Jeff Mitty and making sure this team gets to the line. 60% from the field is something that you can't really coach uh, other yeah. than strategy and trying to get to the paint, which we did have 38 points in the paint, uh, and then add another 20 at the line. It's 58 of our 87. And then our most of our threes were wide open because of that because we opened up the paint. So there's at least some coaching there, but at the end of the day, players have to make shots. But Jeff Mitty's overall our overarching strategy for this game was fantastic. So got to give him a uh, tip of the cap there, especially considering that we lost by 21 uh, last time we played Baylor. So this is, we only scored 48 points in that game. We scored 87 in this game. So that's quite the, uh, the turnaround for 
uh, for Jeff Mitty and Kansas State. So kudos to him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I keep getting really excited about trying to talk about next year's team. But because it it's going to be Serena Sundell, Gabby Gregory, Ioka Lee, the Glenn Twins, and then Eliza Moppin is like the sixth person off the bench. That's gross. Yeah, That's nasty. And, you, yeah. and then you bring in Taryn Sides as well as a high school recruit. Gisela so, Sanchez. Yeah, Gisela Sanchez. I think is, she's a, be is she a forward or a guard? I think she was marked as a guard. I thought she was a forward based on height because I think she's like 60 or 63, but I, I don't know off the top of my head. She is marked as a forward. She's 63. She's also from Barcelona. You mean Barcelona? Barcelona. <laughs> but next games are, like you said, up against TCU at TCU. Uh, yes, there will be a meltdown if we lose that game. <laughs> uh, KU in Bramlage, you said it's a toss-up. West Virginia at Oklahoma at Texas. I yeah, I I agree. Actually, I'm maybe eighteen. Maybe 18 and 13 is enough to get us into the tournament. It might be. It it could be enough depending on how heavily weighed our wins against Iowa and Iowa State uh, are. Because those those wins are both huge. Yeah, and Baylor's Um, mid-25 in the net. Yeah, so that Baylor win will probably be seen as a quality win, especially by uh, the amount. Uh, So... And also it helps that that win comes towards the end of the season. Uh, but we need to win the ones we should. And if you can steal a game, maybe that you shouldn't, that's unusual for women's basketball. Generally, there's not a ton of upsets in women's basketball. Generally, talent just is going to be talent. But I don't know. Uh, this is definitely a wrong side of the bubble team as things stand today, but they can play themselves back onto the right side of the bubble. That's not out of the question, but... It's probably it's probably less likely, I'd say at this point, but it's not impossible by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So looking at the latest bracketology, picking up a win up against KU would be massive. Cause in the latest bracketology, KU is an eight seed. Yeah. Getting that win at home, I think against I think if you lose that game to KU at home, I think that might be an IT bound. Oh yeah, that's that kills point. Us. Unless you, the only other way to do it, I think, is to go on a rampage in Kansas City. Uh, but I don't really know if this team is capable of that. Um, I, yeah, this has been a very up and down season. Had a really fantastic non-conference slate, but mm, man, this it, it's just a what could have been with Aoka Lee just over and over again. Just yeah. it leaves you wondering. But oh well. The, regardless, great win uh, at home against Baylor, against a really quality Baylor team. Uh, we schemed a really good game, uh, so very happy about that. Yep. Now we can talk about men's golf, everyone's favorite sport to talk about, and we ended up as a team getting a third place finish in the Hal Williams Collegiate Classic down to the University of Southern Alabama. I believe it was 30 it was third out of uh, third out of 15 third out of 15 and the men's team is actually ranked by the way ranked 21st in the country because we are obviously the greatest team in history so 
Yeah. I will say, looking at the team leaderboards, uh, there's a sizable gap between us and the first place team. Uh, 20 stroke uh, gap, or 23 strokes. Uh, Illinois fifth ranked golf team in the country, they went minus 36, which is just ludicrous. Like, we went minus 13, and it's like fantastic. Like, we're 23 strokes out of first and 10 strokes out of second. Uh, but we're pretty solidly at the front of that, like bringing up the rear pack, uh, like at least for the other teams that like got below par. But yeah, we had a really, really good performance. Uh, I got to say overall, I'm pretty pleased. Will Hopkins uh, individually is ranked 68th in the country. He went minus seven individually finished tied for sixth with a couple other guys. Um, some dude for Arkansas went minus 15. What the heck? Whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, we did really well there. Uh, Tim Tillman's went minus one. Uh, and then Luke O'Neill was even par. Uh, and then we had a, two other guys finish at plus two. Uh, so really, really quality showing. Uh, a lot to like there. Uh, Looks like a tough showing for Nicholas Mason, who's actually ranked 61st individually, but he went plus 10. Uh, so not fantastic. Finished 74th out of 84. Um, but other than that, man, what a uh, what a nice showing for the uh, golf cats, the club cats. I don't, I don't know what the Ooh, club cats club cats. Ooh, Ooh first cats get ball. know that yeah. the men's club cats and there's also the women's club cats. But they didn't play this week, I don't think. So, but yeah, that is the men's golf club cats. Now we can talk a little bit about the bat cats and their first series up against Stephen F. Austin. The the first thing of note is that they announced at least three of the four uh, starters for the series, and I can pull that up really fast. Uh, I I got them. Okay. Um, Owen Burma is going to start the first game against Stephen F. Austin. Uh, then Herman Fajardo starting game two. Then Jackson Wentworth game three. Uh, the notably omitted is uh, Griffin Hassel. Uh, it is a TBD on why. Perhaps the broadcast will reveal that because uh, the Friday, Sunday, and Monday games will be on ESPN+. Plus. The Saturday game will not uh, because shut up. <laughs> and then... Uh, then the uh, uh we don't know the starter for the fourth game either um i imagine that will be announced sometime during the weekend and it'll be probably a fourth player i would hope we are not pitching somebody again in the same weekend yeah not this now. early <laughs> yeah but um burma he's a d3 uh former d3 player of the year pitcher of the year i think uh uh was really fantastic in D3. We'll see how that translates to D1. Um, but he'll be the number one starter. Herman Fajardo was fantastic as a relief and weekday starter last year. Uh, was kind of iffy at times, but in smaller quantities. Uh, showed to be really, really good at times. And then Jackson Wentworth, he's a redshirt freshman, was a former blue chip recruit. Uh, was drafted and elected to come to K-State instead. Uh, really, really highly regarded 
uh, missed all last season with an injury of some sort. It's baseball, so and he's a pitcher, so it's probably Tommy John, but yeah, probably for sure. But we will see Wentworth for the first time in the K-State uniform on a Sunday, February 19th. That game will be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this first series. I don't think we learn a ton about this team. I don't know how good CNF Austin is, but this definitely is an early opportunity to get in the win column. Yeah, I agree. Four-game series. Uh, other things of note is uh, Nick Goodwin. We kind of figured it would be, but he's still going to be the starting shortstop. Uh, We didn't expect differently. I still believe that Kay and Nick Goodwin should switch places, especially knowing that high school Kalen Culpepper was a shortstop. Unless they've tried that, and Kalen Culpepper just is awful. But defensively, Nick Goodwin's not a great shortstop. And I think we've seen him play third before, and he was a fine third baseman. So I, you know, what can you do? And someone we forgot to mention in the notable returners is Kojo, Cole Johnson, who hit a 500-footer during fall ball, and he just got left off of being mentioned in the preview show. So uh, our bad. That's on us. We each have to take responsibility for our failings sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, it is what it is. Um, oh, a couple interesting things to note from the game or from a series preview. Uh, last year, Stephen F. Austin went 15 and 36 and 0 and 5 against Big 12 opponents. So there is that. Uh, so we do know how good they were at least last year. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or how good they were not, I suppose. But um, they also did notice uh, some note some stuff about some guys on K State's roster. Uh, for um, D1 baseball's um, MLB draft prospects for next year, I think Goodwin uh, is the number 77 overall prospect uh, and number 12 uh, among the top 50 shortstops uh, for the 23 MLB draft. Cole Johnson is the 109th uh, outfielder, and then Jackson Wentworth is the 185th starting pitcher um so uh i don't know where they're drawing that from other than kind of extrapolating from where he was they made it up yeah he's not draft eligible i don't think so um doesn't really matter but good good on you i guess yeah but yeah the uh, mlb scouts are high and have been high on goodwin uh pretty much the whole time that he's been in manhattan uh He's been pretty inconsistent at times, uh, but if nothing else, definitely has uh, the athleticism necessary for yeah, the next level. For a bat, but yeah, uh, I was. I'm. I will say, I am surprised to see him that high at number seventy-seven overall. Like that. That is super, super high. <laughs> like, I mean, that's that's putting him at third round. Yeah, third yeah. round. Like, good for him. Like, that's great. But I am shocked. But more power to him. Good for you, Nicholas. But uh, hopefully that translates to a more consistent defensive performance this year from Nick Goodwin. Because he definitely did have some highlight defensive plays last year. But there were as many uh, missed grounders and bad throws. So I think consistency is the big ask from Nick Goodwin. 
because when Nick Goodwin's on, he's on, and he's one of the best players in the Big 12. But it's just, it depends which Nick Goodwin you're going to get, basically. So hopefully he's able to figure it out and really put it all together this year. Uh, Cole Johnson, hopefully he can uh, continue to be pretty consistent. He was generally solid last year once he got rolling. Um, and hopefully Kalen Culpepper can continue his hot end to the year and is able to avoid a sophomore slump. And hopefully yeah. Jackson Wentworth is able to show why he uh, was a blue chip recruit out of high school. Yeah. All of those things, I would, you know, hot take, controversial take, I know. I would enjoy all of those outcomes. I, I think I think if every player on K-State's roster was drafted into the MLB, I think that'd be good. Yeah, like, eventually, I, 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 not all at once. but Yeah, not everybody at the same time, but just a constant rotating door of future MLB Hall of Famers just coming through Manhattan, oh, yeah. Kansas. I think that would be really fantastic. I do too. I would enjoy that. I'd have a lot of fun with that. But yeah, <laughs> that is the Batcats. So now we can do everyone's favorite, the wacky segment of the week. This week, if you had to pick one K-State Twitter personality to play a sport, who are you picking and what sport are they playing? Bonus points if you give a position. Okay. Um, first for context, do you mean like a D1 varsity athletics sport that K-State currently has? Yes. Okay. Because I originally was going to say Scott Wildcat and have him be a bowler. But <laughs> just because that just seems correct. Like, I, I know he does I, fit. Yeah, I know he likes wings, and for some reason, I just was correlating those two things for literally no reason at all. He likes and, wings, he likes beer. Yeah, so bowling just kind of made sense in my head. However, sounds like that's not going to be an option, uh, unless K-State gets a bowling team, which please don't spend money on that, Gene. Uh, but, get wrestling first. Yeah, re- wrestling first, then we can talk bowling. But that, that is a fantastic question. Um. I a lot of a lot of that's a struggle because I don't know the general athleticism of um, a lot of K-State um, Twitter. Um, I for now will be going with the commish, a.k.a. Bob Trollsby. And I think that. I don't even know where I'm going to put him now that I realize that I'm saying him, <laughs> but he seems like somebody that's potentially athletic. Um, I, I feel like he could maybe be a baseball player. Um, I'll stick him in right field for now because I don't know how good he is. <laughs> but oh, uh, Bob Trollsby's hosing people from right field. He's each rowing people at third. <laughs> I I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Either that, or maybe uh, are there any lefties on Twitter? Uh, KSA Twitter. If you're a lefty, reach out and we'll put you at first base lefty, on the Alley Cats baseball team. Yeah. yeah, I'm a lefty. So fun fact. But you could pick if, yourself. If you're also lefty. I'm I'm a manager. Uh, you and I are co-managers, so we oh, can't. Okay. We can't, and there's no like player, player managers manager. here. Okay, so I I think that we'll have to find somebody else, a different lefty to play there. But we'll put together an alley cap baseball team to never play a game, I guess. But <laughs> all right, so it came down to two for me. It came down between the other half or one of the other thirds of Cocaine Willie, and that is Chef, and then Nick. <laughs> Nick the coffee fiend. And I'm actually going to go with Nick. I'm going to put him at receiver. And there's one main reason as to why. 
it's because he's in the military. So I know he can at least run and can yeah. run a decent distance without immediately vomiting on himself. You see, Plus, that, indi- that indicates to me, well, if we had men's soccer, then I'd throw him out there. Oh, like, yeah, but we don't have it. But we don't yeah, have I'd, men's soccer. Yeah, I'd I'd give Nick the nod. I'd put him out at receiver slash special teamer, maybe make him a gunner. And uh, who knows? Maybe they'll they'll have standard issue coffee uh, not sponsored on the sideline. Um, just saying, we'd be open to a standard issue coffee sponsorship. <laughs> I don't drink coffee, but it would feel nice to have a sponsorship. We we would we would drink coffee for that sponsorship. I, I, yeah, I'll start drinking coffee uh, if that's what happens. <laughs> but yeah, I probably, I, I probably need it. Most mornings, I definitely need it. But, but yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Nick, the coffee fiend at receiver. You know, he's going to sip standard issue coffee on the sideline. Some they get the ability to run a 4-140 and just, like, destroy people on special teams. That's my pick. That's a fantastic pick. And for the record, Chef was my backup pick. I, th- I think he was yours, too. <laughs> yes, so. he was. But, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll have to have, like, a K-State Twitter combine or something like that <laughs> to, like, gauge whatever money would be good at. My my fastest forty was a a five six in high school, bro. I'm guaranteed. I'm running like a six five now. <laughs> the last time I ran a forty, I think, was my freshman year of high school. Um, I I I don't even remember what I, I think it was like a six flat or something like that. Yeah, like it, it has been a very long time. You and I are both bigger dudes, so like that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. I, I, uh, I've always been a bigger guy. Um, I definitely was not as big then. Uh, but yeah, I was not a fast person at any point in my <laughs> life, unfortunately. Unfortunate. Why, mama? Why wasn't I born fast? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. But... <laughs> but yeah, well, that wraps up this episode of the Haggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow the show, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at AggievilleACats, as well as on Instagram at AggievilleACats. We're on the road to 1,000 followers on Twitter, hoping to get that before the end of the year. I believe we're either 15 or 16 away. So be awesome to get that. I imagine we will at some point this year, but, you know, sooner is better than later. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at acedwards 0 I'm at Connor Bounces or Capital C, Capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as the staff-approved Doom Tang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>